Hello. <laughs> hey, Jordy. How was your day? Good. How, how was your day, Brenda? Uh, pretty good. I went to the dentist, though, so and I have no cavities, so I'm very happy. That's good news. Uh, how long were you at the dentist for? Two hours. That doesn't sound fun. No. I'm Why a, did it take so long? Because I haven't gone in a lot of years. Don't do that, people. Especially if you like food. <clears throat> if you want food, you got to take care of your teeth. Unless your favorite food is slushies or smoothies. Yes, or ice cream. Pudding. <laughs> These are not good things for your teeth. Um, what, what do we have on the show today, Brenda? Well, we've got a lot of guests here. Uh, we've got Dave Abe, who is working through his chef apprenticeship. So he's going to tell us a bit about uh, baking and pastries and molecular gastronomy <laughs> and gastropubs. And we're going to ramble about a lot of different topics about food. Don't worry, it won't be too rambling. It'll be tight, people. Yes, exactly. Carefully, what else do we have? carefully curated. We've also got uh, two guests in the studio today. One of them has been on the show before. His name is Gray. Hello. Hi. And uh, Gray and his father Arlie. Hello. We're kind enough to bring us snacks today. What snacks did you guys bring us? Well, we made a stop at Scramble Island and picked up a few of our favorites. So uh, we brought some. Uh, Fries from Edible Canada, and they um, they're known for using duck fat for their fries. And I think they have do they have a bacon salt on them, Gray? Yeah, or they some? have bacon salt on them. And they come with bacon aioli as well, so uh, it's pretty decadent. But uh, guys always like those. I'm not sure how warm they were when they got here, but um, anyway, we we like those. And then we also picked up some of the uh, granola from. Stewart's on Granville Island, which I have to say is my favorite that I've had in the city. Are these places all part of the market? The uh, Edible Canada is right across from the market. It's kind of on the little corner there. It actually has a little outdoor seating place um, where the wood co-op used to be. I don't know if right. you know that part. Okay. And it's, I think it's been about a year there or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Stewart's is the, one of the bakeries in the, in the market, Yeah. Yes, I, I think I know that one. It's a great bakery. It is good, yeah. And, uh, yeah, thank you for bringing those in. Um, are the, are, is that your favorite fries in town? Probably, yeah. Beat McDonald's, great? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's high praise indeed, yeah. Yeah, the snacks were super tasty, so thanks for bringing them in. Um, also, uh, last show uh, we did, I did an interview with Mike Petkow about the Seattle hot dog, and then I got this email from Arlie telling me about the Chicago hot dog and how it was a a, a rival for the for the uh, Seattle hot dog. So, oh, right, because every town has its own take on a hot dog. What, how, how does uh, Chicago do their hot dogs? Um, well, it's really, I've never seen anything like it. It's, so it's, um, uh, the toppings are, you have onions, you have mustard, you have this relish that's neon and green. And apparently the color comes in part from a bit of mint, but uh, a lot of places just use food coloring to give it that neon green look. And then it's got a pickle spear, it's got tomato wedges, it has these little hot peppers, and um, celery salt to top it off. And uh, I was telling Brenda that uh, my vegetarian sister-in-law gets the mm-hmm. doggone version, which is no meat and just all these toppings on a bun. So there's there's no like veggie dog in there. It's just no veggie dog. It's hard to be vegetarian in Chicago, but uh, y- y- there aren't too many hot dogs. I don't think that you can uh, 
have without the meat and it's still a good hot dog. I think New York's is something like sauerkraut and mustard, and I don't think you'd want that just on a bun, really. No. So, so uh, we love the Chicago dogs, and you know, although Gray, I think his preference is probably the Midwest classic, which is... I don't know what you were... Chili dog? To. Chili dogs, definitely. <laughs> Chili dogs, so... It's a classic everywhere. We'll, we'll work him up to the to the uh, Chicago dog one of these days. Has everybody here done a lot of hot dog research? Because I don't know. Like, I don't like the <laughs> but that's okay. Dogs, we'll so we'll, that. we'll fill you in when we put some music on. We'll, uh, um, but should we should we go to a song? Yeah, let's go to a song. All right. So this is uh, Real Boys off uh, of their new EP, Real Boys, uh, self titled, and uh, this song is called Whale.
And we're back. This is Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9. That was Real Boys. Brenda, you you know a little bit about Real Boys, don't you? I do know a little bit about Real Boys. They they played in Shindig this past fall at the Railway Club, and the members include people from bands such as uh, You Say Party, We Say... Well, you say uh, we party. Don't say, they, they, we don't say anything. <laughs> we don't say that at all. From you say party, from GSTS, and from Ono Yoko. Yeah, great band. Go see them live. Yeah, they are a pretty great band, and that song was called Whale. Off their EP that was just if you released. you were confused, it's the animal whale, not to scream. And whale. And the whale. Yes. I, yeah, I was using that's a synonym. Yes. <laughs> Our banter just fell apart. Uh, moving on, next topic. Okay, so we're going to... Uh, Dave Ave, who is in the studio with us, um, he is doing his chef apprenticeship and Hello. working through the levels. And uh, can you tell us a bit about your course and your experience and like how does someone train to be a chef? What do, What's involved in that? Well... Oh, that's a big that's a big series of questions. Okay, uh, like, <laughs> how did you start? Let's it's a loaded question. Um, I so guess, loaded. Uh, you know, well, I, I grew up. My my parents owned a restaurant, and so it was just kind of the environment I was used to. Um, Where was this restaurant? In Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, okay. Japanese restaurant downtown. Nice little place. So that's before I knew you. Oh, yeah. I was all surprised as if they had one in BC and I'd never been to your family's <laughs> restaurant. No, I was just a wee little... Wee lad. Lad, Washing yes. dishes. <laughs> and what kind of food did they uh, serve? Japanese. Japanese food. Okay. Yeah. All kinds. All, yeah. Yeah, all kinds. Okay. Sushi kind of place. It was mm-hmm. way back in the 80s. Was this um, before sushi was it? You kind of ubiquitously everywhere? Yeah, before before it was hip, before yeah. it was cool. Um I remember uh, ACDC actually came to my parents' restaurant once. When I was, really? Yeah, when oh. I was little. And she said they were nice boys. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so then uh, you grew up with an appreciation for food. Yeah. It, it was just kind of like being in a kitchen for me is just kind of uh, a comfortable thing. You know, I'm, I'm cozy there. It's, yeah. So it's like a little blanket. So did you have um, mad knife skills when you were eight? Um, you know, I've actually... You know, to this day, I've only cut myself once, which is pretty big for someone that has worked in the kitchen as long as I have. Uh, and and that once was when I was reaching into my knife bag to pull out my knife. Out. Yeah. So it doesn't really. I don't know if it really counts, but. Uh, so your hands aren't covered in scars. No, I, I mostly uh, I mostly burns. get the, the the forearm burns. I don't have a whole lot right now, actually. Oh, I can see the remains of one. Yeah, the there's, there's there's a little bit going on. Do you chefs He's wear a real like chef. gauntlets? <laughs> gauntlets? No, no, no. You just you just reach right in there okay. with a towel and just pull out whatever you need. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this course. <clears throat> Or, or this whole apprenticeship course piece thing, I, I don't really have a I, good sense of how it works. Well, I, I had been here last year at uh, Northwest Culinary Academy of Vancouver uh, taking the culinary program, um, and uh, I am now back again to take the bakery and pastry portion. So that's what I'm just finishing up, actually, just tomorrow I graduate, so that's pretty great. Hurrah. <laughs> I need to lie down for a week, though, because I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> Face down. So then, do these courses, are they instead of hours or supplement hours, or they, how you, do you become a chef? Um, well, okay, I guess, ultimately, to be finished, you would be at, you would get your red seal, you would have your um, journeyman sort of uh, 
thing. Uh, if you check what's it, the ITA website, the industry training, industry training some, Canada, something like that. ITC. I should I should know this. Uh, but I know. <laughs> that's the bureaucracy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but th- there are basically three levels. You, uh, I, I completed my professional cook one, which required a certain amount of technical training and work hours. Uh, same for level two. Uh, and the, oh, yeah, also a written test. Um, same for level two and level three. I believe I'm going to have to take... Uh, it's kind of an all-day thing where I take a practical test as well, so I'll have to make all these things and also do a written, which is... What type of food do you have to make during the practical test? I, I think it's it's like a series of, you know, the basics, you know, soups, stocks, uh, you know, just showing knife skills and making basic breads and sort of things like that. Okay. Um, is there a mystery ingredient I, that they wheel out I, on a tray? You know, I, I haven't... <laughs> and then pull the blanket off. <laughs> so there's so there's smoke coming out. And, <laughs> and just, there's just a pyramid of whatever the food is, yams or something. Yeah, the, the guy down at the office takes a bite out of a pepper and then turns to you and says, yeah. yeah. And then you go. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, well, this summer I'm hoping I, I want to take my level two. So I haven't really thought too much about my level three yet. I kind of feel like I'm going to take some time moseying towards that one because that's more serious business. So what happens <laughs> in this level two? Level two, uh, it's mostly written, uh, I believe. I think it's just written. How boring. How boring on a scale of? <laughs> Would you? I, I think she was just saying that it sounded boring. Oh, it sounds Although boring. Although you could rate it on a scale yeah. of, <laughs> of one to ten, a, uh, that I would give that a, a seven. And a boring. Yeah, you know, there were. I, 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 I have to wait till I take it. You know, there might be ups and downs. It might be a tour de force, just a <laughs> roller coaster ride of a test. Of emotion. Yeah. I know. Well, but compared to say, would you rather write a test about cooking, or do you rather? Do the cooking? Like, which which type of uh, test do you prefer? I, um, you know, I when I was in culinary, I I was I was much better at the the practical sort of actually just doing it as opposed to writing the tests. And this time in pastry, I don't know. I feel like I'm much better at the written because I, for me, doing pastry and bakery, it's it's tough because I'm not a pastry and bakery kind of guy. I, what kind of a chef are you? Well, I, I really prefer, you know, like, baking and pastry, you know, when I think of that, I think of, like, someone at home or, like, doing, you know, just relaxing, doing some baking, you know, for the family. And when I think of, like, the culinary aspect, you know, I think of fire and adrenaline and, you know, mm-hmm. smoke and, like, all this kind of, this is a different environment, you know, it's a lot more, yeah. Stinging adrenaline. eyes. Stinging eyes, sweat, you know, yeah, blood. <laughs> Someone like Gordon Ramsay yelling at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not it, it's not completely necessary, but, uh, but okay. yeah. So there's not enough tr- adrenaline in baking. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of have a short attention span, so I require kind of a fire under my butt okay, in order so, to keep moving. And some patience. Baking some, seems to require some patience. <laughs> yes. In, in pastry school, what kind of pastry are you? do you learn to make? Is it about, like, the shells or...? Well, we... Um, we did like a wide variety of, you know, basically, you know, baked goods. Like they're like we start off with cookies, going into tarts, pies, cakes, entremets, which is like a layered mousse sort of cake thing. Okay. And yeah, uh, so you start simple with the cookies, yeah, and then you work your way up to the more complex, yeah, multi-layered. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also did bread. I have a I have a, a sourdough starter at home. He's called oh. he's, he's named Brutus. 
He's uh, <laughs> he's doing well. Is, yeah. Are you worried about him betraying you? <laughs> he might. Uh, maybe. Who knows? He might just turn on me, and suddenly it's all gone south. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chocolate Week was. You know, I know pe- when I say Chocolate Week, people are always like, oh, that's awesome. And chocolate Week was so painful for me because it's so... It's it's not easy, tempering chocolate. Are you, you are you making your own chocolate? Or are you, like, making... Taking well, chocolate and then making it into different... Different forms. Like, you can, like, you know, uh, make uh, molded chocolates where you pour it into mold and then pour, like, a ganache in the middle and then seal that up. Or you could just kind of do, like, make a, a hard ganache where you, like dip it into the chocolate and then you have like a pattern in the top kind of thing yeah i hear the the patterns are made by printers uh really well, fancy ones you um oh what's that uh you, you know the paper and overhead projectors what's that yeah. called yeah mm-hmm. uh transparency but, tra- yeah those transparent sheets like they kind of put this food safe sort of uh design on there and then you just put it on top of the chocolate and then you just peel it off when the chocolate's done and then you have this Aww. nice little design that's like, like oh. an iron-on transfer it, it is it's like an iron-on it's like making that? t-shirts yes. <laughs> just like that so if someone wanted to go to uh pastry school how long does it take and how hard is it to get into well i i think that all depends on the school uh um, so like could i enroll in a pastry course yeah, I, I, anybody could anybody i think you know as long as you have a brain and <laughs> arms and <laughs> you want to and, and a will to do pastry uh, and bakery okay yeah but to get into this program you have to be a like a real chef person um they have uh, are there hacks in your class dave <laughs> <laughs> no i don't you know every everybody that's there i think you know wants to be there like i, I kind of wish there was you know, when you go to school, there's always a, a couple people in your class where it makes you feel good because they're doing way worse than you. And, like, you know, like, yeah, you can feel better uh, well, because you're not the bottom. I'm, bo- I'm not the bottom of the class. Yeah. But, like, everybody there is pretty good. And so it's like, I wish there was that one guy here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's not happening. no one wants to be the bottom <laughs> of the class. Uh, so in your course, like, what were the hardest parts? Um, yeah, like I said, tempering chocolate. Chocolate? Uh, okay. Because... Like you, you, you get these bags of chocolate in, and then you have to melt them down to about forty-five degrees mm. to make them formless, and then you have to bring them back down uh, in temperature to twenty-four degrees to temper them, and then you have to bring them back up to working temperature between twenty-eight and thirty-two degrees. For my test, which was earlier this week, I had to be able to do that without a thermometer. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So how would you tell? You just hold your hand or you poke your finger in the chocolate? You have to be, like, one with the chocolate. You have to get a good feel for the chocolate. Like, you, you know, I just feel it a lot and I just mix it and just watch it. I I remember going to... uh, So the viscosity? Yeah, the viscosity, for sure. Like, there's there's all these uh, fat crystals in... In, in chocolate, and you ideally want to form the beta-5 crystals. That's, like, the best temper. Well, it sounds like... It's, <laughs> it's like chemistry, but not only do you have to know everything that you would know with chemistry, you also have to be able to do it without equipment. Yes. <laughs> and turn it into something that tastes good. Mm. Yeah. Now, we were going to talk a little bit about goo and molecular goo. astronomy <laughs> later on. But um, well, pastry chefs is a lot about yeast and baking is a lot there's, about There's chemistry. lots of science. There's lots of science in yeah. baking for sure. Yeah. Okay. Should we move to a track? Let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's move to a track in just a second. We will be playing something by, what did I put in there? Um, Yukon Blonde. 
their new album. But first... There were once five boys who wanted to be robots. However, the powers that be forbade this, so they settled for being a band. That band is called Facts. And on Friday, April 13th, you can join them to celebrate the release of their new album, Like a Living Being. This album release party will feature guests, Synthcake, Gang Signs, and WinnieCooper.net DJ Tristan Orchard. Visuals are provided by Leaf Hall, and if you're interested in pre-sale tickets, just visit WinnieCooper.net slash tickets. Facts. Like a Living Being album release party, Friday, April 13th. 13th at the Waldorf Hotel, proudly sponsored by CITR.
Hellraiser 2. Time to play. Hellraiser 2 by any means necessary. A fundraiser coming to the local theater near you, Rio Theater, in support of all Vancouver independent venues. Saturday, April 14th from 8 p.m. till 1 in the morning. This is a hellraising night of cabaret, theater, comedy, music, and dance. Hellraiser Nights are a series of fundraisers to help the Rio Theater survive the LCLB licensing hell. Hellraiser 2 is by donation and a 19-plus event. Come out and raise some hell. April 14th at the Rio Theater.
that was Wood Pigeon off of their new EP for Paolo. Very pretty track. Oh, and it's the next one's coming on. I'm just going to turn that down. Um, that song was called By Lamplight um, I really like Wood Pigeon their, uh, their music has always like got that really delicate but really well crafted songwriting um, they're from Calgary but they do have a member from Vancouver keeping it local mm-hmm. uh, Shane Turner Shane Turner What? he's in a band correct? Uh, his his various projects have different names but I think the latest was Shane Turner Overdrive, but they're all kind of based around him. Yeah, he sometimes plays with Fanshawe, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Guitar for hire. I think he's a bass player for hire. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> he does play guitar for his own songs. Yes. And I, he was making rumblings about moving away from Vancouver, not sure if that happened or not. Oh, I hope not. But... Yeah, we hope not. I haven't seen Shane in a while, so maybe it did. I think it might have happened. If not, let us know, Shane. Um, if you would like to tell us anything about the show, stuff you want to talk about, um, or uh, stuff you want us to talk requests, about. Requests, if you want to request some songs. Um, congrats, anything like that. If someone had a birthday. If you want to make a <laughs> song request, yeah, we'll, we'll, issue, we'll wish a happy birthday as long as it's on every other, one of the, every other Thursdays that we're on the air. Exactly. Maybe, uh, maybe you own a restaurant and think we should come review it. Or maybe you just really like a restaurant and think we should go review it. Or maybe you want to do a review of a restaurant. Then you should, if any of these things apply, people, then you should email us at uh, peanutbutterandjamsradio at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or you could get in touch with us on Facebook. We also have a Facebook page. What's it's, our group called? It's pretty engaging. It's called Peanut Butter and Jams. Yeah. yeah. And I sometimes post videos. She does. They're very exciting about cooking, like like that blog, My Drunk Kitchen. My Drunk Kitchen? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Do you do, you do drunk cooking? I, well, sometimes I, I drink while I cook, and then I'm drunk by the end, but not the way this woman does it, where she, she seriously gets smashed before she starts cooking. You should do that. Really? Yeah. We're, we're not actually talking about drinking on the air. So No, we're not drinking on the air. We oh, just, yes. I just think Brenda should get really drunk <laughs> and then film a cooking video so I could watch it. And I, I would post I once, it to our Facebook. I once did that making linguine in a pasta machine. On a video. On a, on a, va- on a, on a very unstable table. <laughs> not, not on, it wasn't on video. I just, yeah. <laughs> and how did your linguine turn out? It turned out really great, but I was drinking, so who knows? Maybe it wasn't that great. Maybe. Yeah. But I've got it on this table, cranking it out, the table shaking. It was. Oh, I hope the linguine machine survived the incident. Yeah, I got it for free, so it was okay. <laughs> do you still have it? I do. It's on top of my of my fridge. I should make I should, I should make pasta this week. You should make some pasta. My grandma used to make pasta. What kind of pasta? Um, noodles, and then she'd put them in chicken noodle soup. Mm, nice. Yeah, very tasty. What did we want to talk to Dave about next? Oh yeah, keeping on topic. Uh, we're. I was going to ask Dave about the different work 
placement observations or stages <laughs> that he did as part of his program uh, this time and last time. Uh, can you explain the question? <laughs> <laughs> you want so me to explain your question? Exactly. To... <laughs> like, what is this work placement observation or stage? Well, basically, uh, the school uh, gets into contact with a restaurant or bakery or whatever kind of place you want to go to. You can actually request, you know, if you want to go to a place, you can talk to your teacher and say, I'd like to do an observation there. I'd like to see what it's like in that kitchen. And then they'll get into contact with the chef there and um, see if they can set up some sort of arrangement where you just come in, see what goes on there, see how they do things. And uh, yeah. So do you just observe? Um, like you're in a little glass box in the corner <laughs> and you sit there with your binoculars? You're just in a room with all these TV screens looking at <laughs> the kitchen. Yeah, no. One-way glass. <laughs> no, uh, it depends really on the place. Some places will just kind of have you in the corner kind of watching. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you just do some basic prep for them, peel some onions, you know, chop some some vegetables up. Uh, other places you get to be a bit more hands-on. Like there was, uh, I went to the Shangri-La downtown and uh, they had a, I think it was like a 300-person event uh, and I, they let me help plate up each of the dishes and stuff like that. And that was, that was a lot of fun. I like that sort of thing. Big, big catering events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, because it must be kind of boring with your, your hands kind of twitching, wanting to get in there. And <laughs> you're, all, you're, you're only um, allowed to observe. Yeah. I get twitchy. I'm a twitchy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you learn anything particularly interesting in any of these placements? Or, um, Well, for me, I my restaurant experience is mostly kind of a smaller, smaller line, smaller kitchen. So it was really cool to see, like, different hotels and um, places like the Fairmont downtown. They have on their second floor, they have a huge catering kitchen. They actually have uh, what's it called a, a conveyor belt sort of assembly line for doing like mass like thousands of plates you know for events and they just you know there's one guy putting like a radish on each plate or whatever another guy next to him is putting on a different element and that's just for like the huge events a little sweatshop yeah yeah i think they did that like for for the olympics and stuff like that they have all these heating boxes where they can just keep all the meals warm so Mm -hmm. yeah and um did your placement sort of represent different types of restaurants different types of cuisine uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, there. Let's see, Chibo uh, was was pretty cool. There, they do a lot of Italian stuff, and uh, they actually change their menu like thirty percent of it every day, which is pretty a uh, harrowing task. Like I couldn't imagine having to organize that, but that you know that takes some skill, and I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> um, and uh, the last place I went to was Diva at the Met, which was really cool. Uh, they do a lot of. Um, molecular gastronomy and stuff like that we're playing with a lot of different chemicals and making like doing spherification and what is spherification uh spherification is a process wherein you have uh oh what were the chemicals it was sodium alginate and calcium chloride um i can't remember right now which one goes into which <laughs> which but basically you have a, a a flavored liquid and you put i think it was the sodium alginate into it mix it in and then you have a bath with the calcium chloride in it. And then you just kind of uh, take the flavored liquid with the sodium alginate and you drip it into that bath with the calcium chloride and you just make little drops and then they form little spheres. You have to kind of scoop them out and put them in a water bath, but they hold these little shapes. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. And uh, then what do you do with them? 
Well, you can put them on a plate or just put them on top of food. You know, like it's just, uh, yeah. Are they tasty? Um, you know, I I had a chance uh, the past two weeks to mess around with that in school. Like I did that for some of my projects and stuff like that. And I, I didn't do so well. They weren't that tasty. Okay. <laughs> but is it something that kind of looks neater than it tastes? Unless, well, you, unless you do it right? I, I think, you know, you just really have to do it right. I mean, I think there's you can mess around and just make these shapes, but like enable to... Uh, to be able to do them and have them taste good as well as another thing, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I, I hear that, like, you know, when I talk to certain people of molecular gastronomy, they just kind of think it's kind of, what's a... A flash in the pan? Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a nice <laughs> way to say it that isn't a swear, but... <laughs> <laughs> To messing around, it's just kind of mess, fooling around, messing around, playing with your food too much. Right. Uh, you know, uh, um, playing with your food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the nice way of putting it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you just really have to be able to do it right. You know, like uh, when it comes right down to it, it's it's about having something that tastes great. You know, and looks visually appealing. Um, I think that's the bottom line for me. Like, yeah, it could it could potentially just be messing around, but you know, mm-hmm. it has potential for being good too. I think. Yeah. So are you, is that your plans to move into, are you going to be a gastro molecular <laughs> gastrology? Gastronomer? Gastronomot? I don't know. What, what would gastronaut? Ga- gastronaut? <laughs> a molecular gastronaut? <laughs> That's awesome. I wonder what the word is. Someone should look that up. <laughs> but is, anyhow, yeah, sorry. Is, that, is that your, your, your uh, career goal? No, I, I don't think, that's not like an end... Uh, point by any means. Uh, it's something I'd like to mess around with and, and try out uh, for a while. So maybe we should take a step back and just tell the audience what molecular gastronomy is. Oh, we yeah. kind of got sidestepped into spherification was our yeah, belly we, slide into chemical cooking. Let's do a run back. And explain, uh, explain what molecular gastrology gastronomy <laughs> Spheres in the sky. Mo- molecular astronomy is... No. Um, you looked it up on Wikipedia, right? <laughs> what was the first sentence? You can tell because we're so informed on the subject. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm not sure, but it seemed to me the conferences around um, studying, uh, use, taking chemical and chemical science and applying them to food. Mm-hmm. And I think physical science, too. Yeah, yeah, so using like things learned in laboratories and then applying them. Yeah. But I don't know, tell us a bit more about you know what? What people are doing with molecular astronomy? Yeah, there's some sort of goo that we're supposed to talk well, about. Well, let's talk about the basics first, <laughs> okay, and okay. then we'll go to this goo in specific. Uh, what? Um, yeah, like what? How did you get introduced to this? Or um, how did I get introduced to it? That's a good question. I probably Food Network. Honestly, okay. Do you do you ever watch a lot of food? Do you ever watch any Food Network? Uh, no. no. You, what? <laughs> <laughs> really, Brenda? I I don't have a television. Do you have a computer? <laughs> Do you watch Food Network on your laptop? I, I have. I don't have a laptop. But, okay. Um, I do download shows from the Food Network. Really? And watch them at home. Yeah. Okay. I, re- I like Good Eats a lot. I like Iron oh, yeah. Chef. Good Eats. Yeah. yeah. I saw Iron Chef for the first time a couple months ago. The first time? Which one? The Japanese or the American? It was the American and it was the finals. Oh. The, the woman battling the guy it was the female pastry chef pastry chef <laughs> yes anyways it was pretty exciting though 
was like, I need to get into this stuff. You should watch the old Japanese episodes because they're hilarious and over the top, I think. They and, do much more interesting battles. Yeah, yeah. They'll do things like um, battle, uh, like, shark. Battle shark. Or battle sea anemone. <laughs> I'm, but just even, picking, even, I'm just picking with seafood. Even, but, yeah. even, but even they would do that. Even lot. battle broccoli, you know, that's gonna you know, they'll they'll turn anything into ice cream on that show. Mm-hmm. Everything will become ice cream. My my favorite one was um battle I think it was battle potato. Oh yeah. And then it they tied, and in the Japanese one, which the, in a tie they have an immediate tiebreaker round, which is they ha- the chefs have fifteen minutes to make um, something else, and they just had another pile of food to just be like, "Oh, tied? Well then, <laughs> and then just open up a new, and it's like battle yam right afterwards, <laughs> or sweet potato and then yam, or yam and then sweet potato." But it was it was amazing. Okay, so back to molecular gastronomy. We keep on going all over the place. I know. Yeah, it, it's great digression. <laughs> so, can you give us another example? Has there been anything from these? Um, Experience in molecular gastronomy that has become commonplace in the kitchen? Hmm. Or is it pretty much all just playing with your food? Fancy pants things for rich yuppies. <laughs> May- mm. uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, okay. I-, I can't think of anything that has become commonplace. Although, like, for me, like, actually, I just started really getting into molecular gastronomy like two weeks ago. So I don't really have a whole lot of. A wealth of knowledge, but and that was as a result of your placement. Yeah, at this restaurant called Diva. Diva, Diva where is at it? The Met, the Metropolitan Hotel, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and then they specialize in this stuff, or is that just part of something they do? Well, it's uh, the the chef, uh, Chef Hamid, um, he specializes in it specifically. He, uh, yeah, I actually did a, a, a stage or a work placement with them last time I was in town. A stage? A stage. What's a stage? A stage is is a work placement. It, uh, it's uh, where you go to a workplace and don't make any money. It's uh, <laughs> So you're allowed to cook in a stage or you just have to watch? Um, probably mostly watching, but okay. it, it really depends on, on where you go. Some some people like to, to throw you into the pool and see if you sink or swim. Oh, they put you in high pressure situations. Uh, I, I have and at certain places. They okay. kind of yeah, just kind of they toss test me in. you it's out, like, test your metal. Yeah, here you go. Let's see if you crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is important to know. Like if you're going to be working in a high, like the kitchen is such a high pressure environment. If you can't make it, then you know it's maybe not somewhere you should be, unless you're going into bakery and pastry. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a little bit... You have to be very patient in bakery and pastry. But then you have to get up super early. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not into that. <laughs> or <laughs> or stay up really late. Maybe that's... <laughs> right. Uh, so, do you want to tell us about this goo? I don't... Or should we play a couple of tracks first? <laughs> let's, uh, let's fill him in on what type of goo we want him to talk about. <laughs> and uh, let's, while we're talking about that... We will play a song by Weed, so you guys don't have to hear us. Sounds (laughs) great. Deal with that.
Would you listen to this in your spare time? Would you listen to this? How about this one? Then check out The Rib with your host, Robin Jacob, Mondays at 4 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM.
and you are listening to CITRFM 101.9 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Wasn't that a great, a great station ID? That, that's a great station ID. Uh, let's. We should probably give away some tickets. Let's. We'll give away tickets. Let's do that in a second. Once we've had time to decide <laughs> to which tickets to give away, you could tell us who John and Bennett. No, is. no, no, no. Let's find. Wait, wait, wait. Don't call in yet. We have to figure out what tickets we're going to give away first. But we'll do that after we talk about this goo that we were promised about talking about. So. Brenda, you worked out what sort of, or you and you and Dave worked out what sort of goo. Yes. Yeah, I reminded Dave about the goo that he told I me had, about. I had no idea what she was talking about at first, but yes, we've. I, I remember that we were talking last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah. After about, we went to see the band Cousins from yes. Halifax at the Astoria, as well as John K. Sampson. Yes, yes. at the Biltmore. <laughs> Very good shows. Um, but we were talking about methyl cellulose. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I'm not completely uh, versed in methyl cellulose, but it seems to do a whole lot of different interesting things. It's, uh, you can make like these sort of hot marshmallows out of them. And then when you take them out of the oven and they start cooling down, they melt. So it's kind of got a reverse, it's got a weird. So yeah. are you supposed to eat them before they melt? Yeah, you're supposed to eat them hot. Okay. Yeah. Hot, hot melting marshmallows. It's and then like also you can make kind of uh, like re- reduce the liquid down in them and make these sheets that kind of turn into a goo. But you can bake them and then they turn into like these stiff sheets and you can kind of have these fragments of whatever you want to make and then you can turn that into a powder. Like you can turn it into all these different sorts of forms. It's really strange. Uh, incidentally, it's also uh, the uh, you know in the movie Ghostbusters when like someone would get slimed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slimer. They used methyl cellulose for that. That's wow. actually the goo that they use. And they actually, they, they can use it in, in, in cooking as well. So I guess it's food safe. So Okay, so the principle is that... I know that doesn't really sound appealing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but so it has are all people these, actually cooking with this? Uh, or just playing with it? Cooking and playing. I think it's kind of... Okay. Yeah. So if we went to that restaurant, Diva, would we get to eat some methyl cellulose? I, I know they uh, use it to make their, um, they have this tomato powder, to, to, no, Tabasco tomato powder that they make using methyl cellulose. Okay. And they put that on their chicharron. But it's not a goo. That's not a goo. Okay. No, it's not a goo when they, yeah. I, I don't think ideally you want to serve it in its goo form. Oh, then Brenda, you you were hmm. you were telling us all about this magic goo to eat, <laughs> magical, <laughs> so magical delicious goo. <laughs> I, I, you know, and te- yeah, texture wise, I don't think people are into eating goo generally. Jello, pudding. I, I, I don't know if I'd define Ganache? that as a goo. I guess no, it not. doesn't. Pudding, <laughs> pudding. Okay, okay, okay pudding is a goo. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Okra. It's kind of gooey. It's, it does have gooey. Not slimy. Natto. You ever have natto? No. The fermented soybean. Okay. And it's it's a little brown, and then the like you mix it up, and then like you just get these strings of goo that come off of it, and it's not everybody likes that, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, goo is an acquired taste. I think you know, not everybody's into that texture. Only Gooey. molecular gastronauts <laughs> <laughs> are into goo. 
Uh, did you use this goo in your project? No, I actually don't know where to find it. I'm still kind of searching oh. around to find a place to you need like a meth lab to yeah. create the goo. <laughs> I need probably not a meth lab. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody knows a meth lab where I could find some, just so no. like I make meth and also I'm a molecular gastronaut. gastronaut. <laughs> Uh, can you tell us a bit about your final project? My final project? Um, I had to develop a menu for um, a restaurant or an event or whatever and uh, kind of have a, a theme, a general theme. And I had to make five desserts and present two of those over the course of two days. And what was your theme? My theme... Uh, happy? Happy! <laughs> actually, it was, it was kind of happy. It was kind of... Um, it was actually based on an actual thing that happens. It's uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Penny Arcade. It's it's a yes. website. Yeah, the uh, the nerd comic. Yes, the nerd about comic video games yes. and other nerdy things. And, and and they do a yearly event called Child's Play where they. Oh. Yeah, I, I made my menu based on like a gala that they would the would the the event is um, Child's Play is uh, a charity um, aimed at getting games to kids yeah. who might otherwise not be able to afford them. Yeah, for just you know, especially you know, sick kids in the hospital, having those distractions is definitely important. I think if you're a sick kid growing up in a hospital, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I developed the menu based on having like sort of an event to raise money for that, and so all of my dessert things were like uh, things that were sort of you know, I had like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sort oh. of bread pudding thing. Made it for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. Uh, what were the other things I had? I had uh, tea, one called Tea at Grandma's House, which was... I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, having that as a menu item, but it, I put it in there because that's sort of a nostalgic kid Is thing Is it just me. tea? No, it was... Like, I made... Oh, yeah, that, that was where I... Green tea ice cream? I tossed in some molecular gastronomy Ooh. things in there. I, I made these little... Um, uh, I made profiteroles... With what a, is that? Profiteroles are, uh, are this little, um, y- you know, a, a cream puff. Okay. Yes. Like a little cream puff. Yeah, that's basically, it's it's the same dough. How did the tea come in? The tea, uh, they were in these little, uh, it was uh, honey jasmine little uh, spheres Ooh. using this, the, the process the, I talked about before, ooh. the spherification. Spherification. Yeah. That sounds pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, were they tasty? They were okay. I could have done a little better. Though. Okay, and they yeah. were made with. So you're still perfecting the recipe. I'm definitely still perfecting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I had uh, one called an orange creamsicle, um, which uh, every kid loves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what were the other things? Um, I'm still not sure what this tea at grandma's looked like. It was a cream puff it was, with. It was. Uh, it had a like a lemon curd. Mm. in there as well and inside the cream puff yeah and the spheres of green tea bits yeah just kind of around the plate oh okay it was like three little cream puffs on a plate basically with little orbs around it and stuff cute yeah (laughs) um but yeah that was basically yeah and uh, how was it received it was uh it did okay there the teachers were really a big fan of the theme and the whole idea and Mm -hmm. You know, I had to do, like, menu costing and make sure, you know, things made sense. Like, you can't just have something that costs, like... You, you had know. to draw pictures of yes, your I menu? Yes, I had to draw pictures. Um, How did that go? It, uh, it didn't go too poorly. <laughs> like, uh... Did you get out your crayons? 
I got my pencil crayons out. Nice. You know, more, more adult. <laughs> That's true. Is there anything else you wanted to ask him about this subject before we go to a song? Oh, yeah. When uh, do you have to serve them tomorrow at your graduation? And, and have you passed already? Or when do you find out? Uh, I find out tomorrow <laughs> when I, yeah, at grad. They when did me. you start this? Uh, how long has this taken? Uh, over the whole, like, uh, is this school a one thing? year project or a- basically one year? Yeah, okay. one year. Eight, uh, starting so this time last year, you were just getting started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, what program do you go to? We should uh, we should talk about that in case someone is uh, interested when they're listening. Oh, it was uh, at Northwest Culinary Academy. They they have a, a full year long thing with a where you have a work placement afterwards yeah. as well, and then they just have the shortened culinary course and the bakery and pastry course as well. So if you're interested, go to Google. It's Northwest. Culinary Academy of Vancouver. Great. On Main Street. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to put a song on now, not to cut you off, but Darren Gully, um, who the next DJ on, who will be hosting Stereoscope Greetout, is pacing in the hallway and looking like he wants to get in and do something. Yeah. So here is uh, Black Mountain off of their new album, Year Zero Soundtrack.
Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Main Street area at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Flaming Angels Boutique, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. The Leo Ramirez Show, the best mix of Latin American music, news, sport, and commentary from around the local and international Latin American communities. Saturday, 5 to 6 p.m. at CITR. 101.9 FM El show de Leo Ramírez La mejor mezcla de música Noticias, deportes y comentarios de la comunidad latinoamericana Sábado de 5 a 6 de la tarde en el 101.9 FM CITR And that, before the uh, Leo Ramírez show uh, plug, was Black Mountain off of the song, the song is called Mary Lou, and the album is called Year Zero, the original soundtrack. Uh, you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, and this is Peanut Butter and Jams. With We're rolling up to the last ten minutes of the show, and there is one thing that, uh, that we still have to talk about, um, which is gastropubs. And uh, kind of, now that we've gotten to a stage in Vancouver's history where basically every new bar is a gastropub. Maybe not every new bar, but, like, what would you guys say? Half of them? Mm-hmm. 90, a lot. 90% a lot. I, I, I see the word out there a lot, and I'm, I'm never completely too sure, you know, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, what's... what's what? Uh, well, for <laughs> me, a gastropub means that it takes, like, the fine dining aspect of food and combines it with um, the social aspect of just like going to the pub with your friends and the goal is to meld the two into a slightly more expensive but a much more social um, experience with ideally better food mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of an, an holy Frankenstein of <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's almost I like going to a gastropub every once in a while like I just recently went to Ensemble Tap which is uh, the the uh, secondary restaurant of Ensemble, uh, which is uh, run by the, the Top Chef Canada winner, Dale McKay, which, uh, <laughs> which you, you went to school with. Yeah, with. elementary school, way, way back <laughs> in elementary school. school. Not in chef school, elementary. in elementary school. I, yeah, we went to, he was, I think he was just a, a grade below me. I remember him. Did he, he win a lot of uh, elimination competitions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you know he, what he ate for lunch in his I, lunchbox? <laughs> Whatever his mom made, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Did it have an influence on who he is today? He, uh, you know, I, we, we, we didn't really get along in elementary school, oh, honestly. So. The scuttlebutt were you, is Were here. you bullying him or was he bullying I, you? Oh, he, he was... Give us the dirt. <laughs> I, I didn't find him very friendly. I'll, I'll say that. Well, he was in grade three. No, I don't know. I think I remember mostly from like grade five, six, okay. something like that. You know, uh, that that bad stage. Yeah, that's, that, no one's friendly in grade no, five. No one, we no, can't yeah. hold that against him. <laughs> um, but I, in addition to Ensemble, which uh, is actually uh, 
I actually quite liked it because not only did they have fairly good food, I had a great Reuben sandwich, um, which had this amazing sauerkraut on it. But they also had a $5 beer, which um, I don't think they have every night, but sometimes they have a reasonably priced beer special. Um, I'm fed of both those things, yeah. Rubens and $5 beers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've also been to Clue Club, which is the newest thing owned by Donnelly Pub. I know you're saying boo, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, uh, this uh, Clue Club, which ha- is spelled stupidly, <laughs> even though it was, uh, it's spelled C L O U G H. Clue. Clue. But it is Clue, right? Yes, it's Clue. Clue Club. Yeah, actually, it might be K even, with not C. Anyhow, it's spelled stupidly. It's named after an old Gastown resident. K is just too much. It's Sorry. all too much. It's all too much. And some, and it ended up being, and that's how the old Gastown resident um, pronounced it. Which I mean, I guess that's fine. But the, um, I think Brenda said it best. How did you say it earlier, Brenda? Uh, I I can't remember. <laughs> I I don't see. We've been talking about baby names because my sister is having a baby, and you know my we, family we, isn't. We weren't talking. About are them. they going to name? Them my, clue? No, but my, <laughs> my family is of the opinion that you should not name anybody anything that you can't spell. Mm. So, because it just creates a lot of pain, a lot of pain, especially if you're a child. But um, if you're a restaurant, maybe you don't feel the pain in such in the same way. <laughs> I'm sure they must get a lot of confused customers who yeah. either don't know why it's called that, or when trying to find the place, don't know how to spell it. Yeah. yeah, be hard to tell your friends. Meet me at Clue Club, and then they're. <laughs> but the men- the menu at Clue Club of- is done by the guy who did, um, I can't remember his name, but he owns Refuel and um, Campagnolo and Campagnolo and uh, soon to be opening Fat Dragon, um, which I'm really which I'm looking forward to. But uh, he did the menu for the restaurant, and the food's actually really good. I found the drinks were overpriced. Um, they didn't have the same sort of specials that were at Ensemble Tap. But in a greater look at the issue, because there's, these aren't the only restaurants we're talking about, um, there's so many of these. How do we feel about them? Do we want there to most be mostly gastropubs? Have, have you been to a, a, a bad gastropub that you just went in and was like, this doesn't really work? Like, I don't know what's going on here. I just or? kind of feel like sometimes I just don't want to spend that much money. Yeah, yeah I think sometimes the drinks are usually drink. overpriced. <laughs> And sometimes you get a weird combination of food. Now, I, I love seeing shows at the Electric Owl because the sight lines are oh, so a, good. You call that a gastropub? Well, the food's so bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was kind of my point where you get like this really weird menu that's supposed to be... I guess they're trying to be like a hip, cool... Yeah. Well, obviously savvy the Electric Owl is attempted to be hip, cool, but... Fusion, but, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work and the drinks are way too expensive. I so would you, rather the Electric Owl just had like... Reheating frozen burgers in the, their current menu because they're burgers in a can. This is yeah. the first real pan we've done on this show. Yeah, I, I do like the Electric Owl as a venue. I just don't want don't eat there. <laughs> go across the street, get something else. Yeah, go, go to the Electric Owl. The poutine, like we could do a whole special on poutine. The poutine there is with miso gravy. I know that Darcy, hmm. my girlfriend, and, and it's, it's peanut butter and jam's correspondent would oh. like to do a special on poutine at some point. Yeah, we should. Yeah, but their poutine is full of miso gravy, which works at the nom, but it's just way too salty to eat. You can never eat a whole bowl at the Electric Owl. So there, there is the that possibility where 
gastropuffs can go horribly wrong because people just want to... I'm sure it gets easily confused, you know? Like, it sounds like a high potential for just confusion, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're doing fusion sort of stuff and you have all these beers. I don't know. It seems like... I feel like the biggest problem with them is that it's causing a shortage of new... of bars that are just like a cheap, shitty bar. (laughs) Like, you... There's something to be said for places that are just kind of like, uh, like they just have draft beer mm-hmm. and like they have food, but it's nothing special and everything's yeah. cheap. It's like it's, a warm blanket. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a warm blanket, <laughs> and you can just. You, it's easy to convince everyone to go there because no one has to feel like, oh, I can't go. It's too yeah, expensive. I don't have to put my face on before I go. I yeah, don't. you don't have to dress up. Yeah, no. <laughs> like the Jetsons, <laughs> but. Uh, the, yeah, the the high priced beer, but also finding a table, right? Oh, that's so, the other thing because there's yeah, yeah. So there's all these like really small boutique places that you can't get into. So Dave and I, after the cousin show, we're trying to find a place to have <laughs> was, a beer, yeah. And we had to wander blocks and blocks in Gastown because they wouldn't let us in. There was no place to sit. Nothing was open late. So we end up at the Brick House, which is a great place yes. to be. But you, like, on a Friday night, you have to, the average person needs a place to have a beer. I, so I, I guess what we're saying is we don't dislike gastropubs. Yes. But there's enough of them. <laughs> yeah. If you're opening a new bar, just make it a bar bar. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing against good food. But, yeah. It's affordable and you can actually sit down. That's why you have to go to shitty places on the weekend. So you can appreciate the good places. Yeah. yeah. During the week. <laughs> Yes. Um, we are about to wrap things up. We've got Darren Gully coming up next. But before we go, um, I know we promised that we would give away tickets, but we can't find the ticket giveaway book. So <laughs> we'll try that next week or ne- in two weeks. Um, but we wanted to do a pairing. This uh, is our weekly pairing. Our weekly pairing our for your date bi-weekly calendar. Pairing. Bi-weekly pairing. Yes. Brenda, what show should people go to tomorrow? Well, I'm I'm really miffed because I really want to go to the show at the story tomorrow night, but I have plans to sit in a hot tub and drink wine with some of my good friends, you, which is a great thing. You have such a horrible life. <laughs> I have such a horrible <laughs> life. But there are some three great bands that I really enjoy at the Astoria tomorrow night. They're all on Student Loan Records, which is a small local record label, and they've all put us out a 7-inch, so all these bands are on a 7-inch that you can purchase if you have a record player. I just got a record player, so now I'm very excited. Or if you just want to see a good show, you can just go and <laughs> see them live at the, at the show. Exactly. And there's a food window at the Astoria, so um, maybe we'll cover that sometime. But the bands featured at the Astoria are Babysitter, Korean Gut, and Apollo Ghosts. And uh, you can't do better than that for a live lineup in town. Nope. And uh, Dave, where should people eat before they go to that? Um, I was thinking uh, going to the bitter tasting room to get a scotch egg, which is a great thing if you don't if you've never had a scotch egg. What is a scotch it's, egg? It's a wonderful. I have never had a scotch egg. <laughs> deep fried egg covered in meat, and it's just great. What kind of meat? Um, what kind of meat is it generally? Like meat piled on the egg, or meat wrapped around <laughs> is it the like egg? A gra- is it ground meat? Yes, it's a ground. Yeah. 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 Okay. They have other eggs there too. Darren Golly says yes. Many yeah. eggs. Many go eggs. Eat one. Go get go get a, a, a series eggs? of eggs. Not mini eggs. Many eggs. Do they come with different <laughs> toppings? Uh, they 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 also have like pickled eggs, and there is some oh. eggs. Yeah, yeah. That's a French Canadian thing, isn't it? Is it? I think Scottish. so. Oh really? The name Scotch egg. Scotch egg. Is well, the pickled egg. Giveaway. 
Right? <laughs> because, um, yeah, at the Brenda? Festival de Voyager in Manitoba, you could get pickled eggs. Hold that thought. <laughs> We're out of time. <laughs> and uh, so Darren can get on the air. I'm going to put a song on. Everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs> this has been Peanut Butter and Jams.
trap that drunk window smoker, tied and drooling, flapped and stunk pillows, stroked my hand, pooling must be peas, strapped or hung that fellow, broke my grand stool dust, he seized, stung or wallowed, hope or glands, ruled my lust, seized, stopping wrist or heaving clots and lists, nor seizing crap that bunk indoor broken ride and fooling this is john m bennett and you are listening to citr fm 101.9 in vancouver british columbia canada